listening to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Thursday afternoon. And since it's Thursday, I'm really excited uh, to be chatting with our Thursday Chinwag correspondent, Sadia Osmani. Sadia, it's great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm very well, and I'm up, so I am a bit of a lark. So what? It's、uh, six a.m. here in in、um, UK. Amazing.、And、I got up at five. How do、There、you, you still look so bright and and beautiful and and alert? Makeup, <laughs> makeup, <laughs> too humble.、Um, so, of course,、uh, for for some of our listeners who are tuning in、uh, for the first time or, or missed、um, the the chinwag last week,、uh, Sadia is currently in London,、uh, awaiting for a procedure. So she's、uh, travelled all the way there during COVID, and so today we'll be touching on a little bit about uh, uh, well revisiting、uh, travelling during COVID, but also a phenomenon that you've been looking into, and that's the the, the topic of. Touch starvation, and it's all really in the bubble of, of COVID. We're all affected by COVID in so many different ways. And I think you know the whole thing about travel. I think one of the reason I'm talking about this particular subject is because, you know, just in that. Uh, time of travel, which I did last week to, from Hong Kong. You know, not last week; it's been more than that.、Um, but when I was travelling, when I landed at Heathrow Airport, my daughter was waiting for me, and I haven't seen my daughter for about a year and a half. And、mm. and then, so you know, when I got out,、um, you know, of the airport, she was waiting there. And so your first instinct is to hug. You know that your natural instinct is you to go and hug, and so suddenly, you know, you have to sort of put the brakes on and think, wait, hang on, you know, I've got to be careful. I'm going into quarantine. She's also going to be in quarantine with me, but we need to keep a distance at the moment. So, you know, you you have now, to a certain extent, been sort of conditioned. It's been like. Over a year that we are all experiencing this, more than a year, much more than a year, and I think it's going to obviously go on for some time. But it's amazing how you have have we we've all started to adapt to this new way. And the reason I thought of sort of touch starvation is because, you know, we are all kind of distancing ourselves, and we may be used to, to you know touching each other, whether it's a handshake, whether it's a sort of pat on the back. Or, or a hug, because you know, just hugging, and especially with children around and stuff, you know, if they're not seeing people, then that that's gone. So, I mean, I was reading an article about this, and it, there was a therapist who was in that article talking about it, and she was basically saying that actually a person should be could should ideally be hugged about ten times a day,、oh. <laughs> which is a which is. Pretty high, you know, but that obviously depends in terms of circumstances of your family. But then, if you look at just general demographics, you know, so many people do live alone. You know,、yeah. so many people may be living alone, or they may have a couple of people in the house. Or obviously, in Hong Kong, there are a lot of people with families. So, in a way, having a family in the house、um, makes a difference. If you do have an extended family, if you do have grandparents, if you've got parents and things,、oh, it also depends on your that... culture, though, because you know,、yeah. I, I have to say,、um, and, and, and maybe it's a generalization, but Chinese, by and large, you know, we're not huggers, and I mean, touchy feely, exactly.、Yeah. Um, and, and and it's funny. It's I think. It, it's being learned more now. I think you know more people are, are more like parents and grandparents are more open to the idea. But I'm I'm sure speaking to my grandma, growing up, her parents didn't really hug her. Her grandparents certainly didn't hug her. Maybe as a baby, sure, but you know、uh, mm. that gets lost. 
that's interesting, really, because I would say that, you know, it, it's a kind of interesting phenomenon because when I was brought up, my, my parents weren't very touchy-feely at all. Uh, like, you know, so if you were a bit ill or something, you might have got a little pat on the head or, you know, a little bit of a little bit of a touch on the shoulder and stuff. And so because of that, I wasn't, I'm not that sort of used to it to such. Um, you know, I was probably more prone to doing, you know, getting hugs or giving hugs to kids when they were much younger but as they've grown older I kind of I don't do it so much but I think now with the pandemic uh, I think it's something yeah, there is that sort of touch starvation there is this thing that you feel like you need to do that to people because that's one way of demonstrating any kind of emotions that you have yeah. like you know to be able to sort of go to a child or to yeah obviously you do you know with your spouse everyone tends to have a sort of closer relationship like that but it, but it's amazing that you know just but you know there is scientific uh, basis to this in terms of the beneficial effects of it because you know social touch stimulates the release of oxyodes and oxytocin in the brain That's which good. automatically then create a thing of happiness and and content and things like that so so if you aren't getting that and you've got to also remember when I was looking at it it says that you know we the amount of skin on our body that like we have two square meters of skin on our body it's the biggest you know, organ of our body the skin yeah and and there's nerves and there's fibers that recognize temperature and texture and so so for such a massive organ that we have where you know you're so sensitive to touch that to be deprived of that but just general as you were talking about culture um there are cultures where touch is so much part of the culture we're talking about chinese and thinking okay chinese may not be as touchy-feely um but then there are cultures say middle eastern cultures and french and italian where it is a norm like in chile supposedly it's a norm just to you know when you meet somebody even a stranger you would just you want naturally just kiss them on the cheek you know that's right so 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 what happens about those things you know and you know i was reading that you know somebody else a communication specialist said that well you know the body the humans tend to find a sort of substitute for it they find other ways of of demonstrating those skills and it might be through you know obviously these screen kisses when you're talking to family you know we all go right okay see you soon and all this but also we find substitutes so for instance you know there's been an increase in people wanting pets because then the pets are little huggy things so you can hold on to them oh yeah (laughs) pandemic puppies is a phenomenon i I think that's a topic to revisit a lot of people are getting (laughs) pets yeah but then that's a danger because when it's over that they might be abandoned Absolutely. So that's, there's a risk there. But also, like, you know, I was reading one article where the woman said that, well, you know, before the pandemic, she was fine when she sleep in the evening, in the night, whatever. But now she felt very comfortable if she just had a kind of cushion or a pillow, you know, gripped to her so she could hug that. Oh. Because, you know, then again, you know, relationships have changed because you can't then, you may have been living with somebody, you might have had a regular boyfriend, this and that. So that sort of distancing has created that lack of sort of touch. But, you know, it's just quite, I was quite amazed that, you know, just how it can affect people. But, um, you know, I think also we've got to look at this area of touch where we think of, you know, people who have had babies now 
that, you know, you give birth to this child and your first instinct, obviously, you know, it's coming from you so you can hug it. But there's also this thing like where parents or grandparents and things or the father may not be able to have access to that baby to be able to hug them. Absolutely. You know? in, in, in the public system, babies are being whisked away to test for COVID um, immediately. So there is that, you know, and, and, and the WHO and a lot of organizations recommend that skin-to-skin contact, you know, the kangaroo hold where the baby is given to the mother um, immediately after birth, uh, well, you know, after it's been cleaned. Um, so to, you know, induce bonding, a healthier uh, bacteria uh, growth um, amongst both the baby and, 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 the, and the mother. But now you, that's you all been heard... taken away. Well, I, well, I'm not sure about other jurisdictions, but certainly. Uh, in, in... That is a key factor, isn't mm. it? I mean, when you think, even when you think about, you know, this, how strict it is now, even for women who are giving birth to have their partners with them. And, you know, a vital part of that was just holding up, holding the hands of your partner as you're giving birth. But I'm saying, you know, we don't know the kind of long-term effects of this. And, and small children, I mean, you can balance it, I think, in two ways. One, obviously, the benefits, but then on the other side, you've also got the, the kind of things in life where you think, you know, there's abuse, there's domestic abuse, where again, touch and and contact with somebody else's body mm. is is a major thing that, you know, people who are scared of that are probably, you know, we know the cases that now during the pandemic, you know, the whole thing of domestic abuse or child abuse and, you know, uh, has increased and and again that comes back to this contact thing doesn't it that mm. the that some people would be quite happy not to have that sort of contact you know and the pandemic may have been a bit of a release from that that they they can't be having contact with anyone so so there's different sort of areas also um one of the key areas when i was reading about some of this was this whole um relationship of grandparents like if your grandparents aren't living with you then i think you know it's a known fact that grandparents probably have a closer sort of relationship with their grandchildren compared to, say, the link between them and their children. Um, you know, that kind of generation gap suddenly disappears when grandparents appear. And so where our parents may not have been able to show that affection to us in terms of touchy-feely stuff, they are much more able to show it to our children. And so those children are, you know, so many children, so many grandparents. I was reading this one thing that, you know, this grandparents were saying that what I miss the most is just being able to hug my grandchildren because, mm. I, you know, I couldn't do that. And and so there have been very creative ways. When I read that somewhere in Canada, you know, this woman just missed hugging her grandchildren. So they, they created a kind of hug glove, a plastic <laughs> glove where they could actually go and then do it. And then other grandparents have, have dressed in costumes like the full you know like you see in like a mickey mouse costume or something so they're completely covered and their hands are covered and stuff and they go and visit their grandparents almost with this comical ppe ppe outfit on and then they are able to hold their grandparents and hug them and stuff without any any contact like that so that seems to be a very key part of it that you know kids can't sort of hug their grandparents and things so That's quite sad, really, you know. Sadia, you mentioned just now that, you know, growing up, your parents weren't particularly sort of huggy, feely with you. Did you notice that they were more so with your children, though, when they became grandparents? Were they sort of uh, more open to the idea? 
Yeah, I would say, like, you know, my mother has passed away, but my father is there now, and there's there's children. He, he, is, he is probably much more able to show that affection now. And just generally in his attitude, like with, you know, he was so strict with us, but now with these children, you know, with grandchildren, he is not so. And I think, yeah, I think that generation gap, that does, that does change things immensely. And I think, you know, and also I think the relationship between grandparents and grandchildren, it's a very special relationship because it's not, you're not kind of um, bound to them. You, know? you have them for short periods of time. You, you play enjoy with them and then hand time. them back you know, sort of thing. You can hand them over and you can have that time. So, so they get the best of both worlds, you know, in that respect. Um, so, you know, we'll just have to, I think, but the whole, the touch starvation thing, I think that everyone is probably feeling it, whichever relationship they're in. Obviously, if you're with your spouse and with your boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever in the house, that's fine. But if there's a distance, then I think everyone is feeling the lack of, or just generally within the professional environment. You know, we are now kind of knocking elbows to shake hands. It is a national, you know, as humans, natural for us just to put our hand out and shake hands. But, you know, and, and get a pat on the back if you're at work, but you're not at work anymore. So it varies, you know. Yeah. So it's just like it's amazing how perhaps that whole change in our life has become a habit. I, I found it quite unusual that now I had a dream recently where, um, you know, because I'd just come to London. And I was thinking I haven't seen any of my relatives, but I can't. And I had this dream that they all came to visit. And all the time when they were coming into the house, I kept saying, no, no, there's too many of you. You have to go. You have to move. And and you're just conscious of that. And what I saw was that everyone who was coming in, everyone who I could see in this dream was wearing a mask. So Even in the dream, they were wearing yeah. a mask. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so you're living and breathing I, it and, and dreaming it now. You have changed your, you know, the whole thing of, of, say, touching, forget that, but just generally this whole social distancing, it has become a habit now because you have been part of it for so long. And so, so you know, when we, when we started this conversation, it was about travel, but, you know, the whole aspect of travel that getting to an airport and seeing people waiting for you and hugging them and stuff, it's not, it yeah, and it and can't. more so, um, you'll find that perhaps when you come back and and you have to go through the twenty one days quarantine. You know, I, I, I'm part of the quarantine support group, uh, Facebook group, um, and and it's so interesting that people are, as you said, after the traveling, they've got that touch starvation, where and even just human contact, they're so excited when there's a doorbell that rings at the hotel door or somebody who's just coming yeah. in to to fix the lock or something, even though they're fully in PPE. In, you know, head covered to head to toe, just seeing another just human seeing being. People. Yeah, mm. and and I think you know it's a psychological. But I I feel right now that you know right now I'm here. I've got a procedure next week and things. But when I come back to Hong Kong, I know I have 21 days of quarantine, and that is completely by myself. And and it's I'm even to the even though I've got some time yet, I'm psychologically preparing myself for that. I'm trying to because you know I think that you go through week one and you think yeah okay I can deal with this week one is quite probably nice and I'm sure I can talk to you while I'm doing yes. this to explain what I'm going through but but week one might be quite nice then suddenly week two gets like 
quite fatigued and that's the time that you should have finished with the 14 day thing and then I can't imagine that week three you'd be <laughs> you'd be sort of eating things you'd be going crazy like you know I can see that I'd need a straight jacket by then but uh, so so you know but it's the power of it's it's what your mind just has to accept regardless you and know. sometimes even the strongest of us feel um, this sort of profound loneliness and and sadness. I was speaking to Karen Ko, um, also a Radio Three presenter, and she'd gone through the fourteen day quarantine about three months ago, and she thought she was prepared for the twenty one days. And you know, for those of you who listen, know Karen is um, straight talking, good good head on her shoulders, and and she was feeling pretty down. I was quite surprised to 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 notice that about her. Um, because and and you can't help it. You that you, you know it. You know it's that there's an confinement. yeah. You, you know, you know there's an end to it, but it, it feels it feels very long. It feels like there's no end, even though that you know there. It's it's hard to explain. But she's just trying to explain that to to us last week. Absolutely, and I think it is a discipline. And if you think about it, you know, um, people have put him to prison and all sorts. I mean, the way that, that people are punished is that you are by yourself and you're solitary confinement sometimes. And, and this is solitary confinement. But oh, to the point that you're not actually seeing solitary confinement, maybe somebody comes in and throws you, gives you your meal and you see a real person. But um, but during quarantine, yeah. I think, you know, 21 days is a, is a long time. And um, as I said, like, you know, I'm going to be going through it and I will certainly talk to you as to the feelings of what I go through and things like that. Yeah, I, I know some organizations have gone, have given sort of um, packages, online packages that you can go through, you know, meditation and just activities to keep you, uh, like you said, sane during the quarantine. And, and you know, a lot of people will say, well, if you travel, then you need to, you know, go and go through the quarantine. But the truth is people travel for all sorts of reasons. Maybe they're, you know, traveling for a procedure. Maybe yeah, they're traveling medical. to see a yeah, loved one. Right. Um, you know, and and so I think there needs to be more support for for people going through. There's also, yeah, I was looking into this because I just think that if you sort of travel for medical purposes and you've had a procedure and, you know, being by yourself after a procedure of that, you know, any whatever you whatever you go through i i you know i was looking to see if there was any exemptions or anything that could be done or where you could get some support and it's quite i just i don't know i'm still investigating maybe that's an interesting subject to look at that this whole thing of quarantine and 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 but you know you have to be it's very hard to change to be flexible with the rules about things anyway but um, but sometimes I think I just ho- I'm I'm a bit concerned about that and I'm looking into options as to okay what are the options I mean I need to keep myself occupied but what if you are in quarantine and then you have problems with your health not to do with COVID or anything like that then what right. options are available to you how you know is there any flexibility in it as far as I can see there's very little flexibility you are there and you are there 21 and I can't see also that that time factor will change in the near future it will stay at that yeah but uh, i'm still looking into it so, <laughs> but as i said you know chinwag will bring you live coverage of that too so <laughs> yes you'll be you'll be live on on the scene so sadia we, we won't be able to speak to you next week as you um undergo your procedure uh well on behalf of the listeners we wish you the best of luck and hope everything goes well and um you'll be going through your COVID testing tomorrow good good luck for that tomorrow. Yeah, because yeah. I haven't stepped out the house. When I landed here on the 26th of January, 
I have not been out. And it's interesting because the front door opened and there was a delivery or something. And uh, and I just kind of, I, I don't go to the door or anything like that. But later on in the evening, I was I just had the front door open. And my, my, my daughter said, don't worry, you know, you can't step out. And I said, no, no, I won't step out. I'm just <laughs> going to my distance. Well, I'm just not going to risk it. Best of luck, Sadia, for your procedure next week. And we'll catch up with you the week after. And wishing you a healthy and happy and prosperous year of the ox then. Speak to you soon. Take care, Sadia. Thank you. Bye Bye for now. And we were chatting with Sadia Osmani, a Thursday Chinwag correspondent, uh, wishing her the very best.